there is hope for my school. I don't believe it can't be saved. It's true, God will use me to reach my school. No longer will it be said that school will be just for learning. In the future, I have to be the same at church and at my school. I don't believe that school is for education and church is for God. The body of Christ is alive at mine. It's hard to say that students have no direction. I tell you this, there are a lot of Christians at my school. Working with the local church to take the hope of Christ to every student in the United States. This is First Priority. Now here are your hosts, Steve Cherico and Brad Skelling. Welcome everybody to the First Priority Podcast. You're Brad. His name is Steve Cherico. You're Brad, I'm Steve. We both went the same direction. Exactly, I knew where you were going when you looked at me and paused. That is brotherly love That's right there. scary, mm-hmm. frightening. Welcome back. We know each other that well, that's awesome. All right, you call it Welcome that. back. <laughs> yes. What's going on, man? Uh, well, we have a great show ahead. We do. It's going on. Yep. Uh, you and I had the honor of traveling together to Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, should we pause right, right there? In. Let's pause right there. We stayed across the street. Our our hotel window opened uh-huh. up to Reds Stadium. That was pretty cool. The outfield of Reds Stadium. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. not on purpose. Mm-hmm. We stayed in a fairly reasonable hotel. Hampton Inn. And there it was. There it was. Bengal Stadium was just down the skyline right there. It was, it was beautiful. But I couldn't see Got that river. one as well. I could just, Reds was. It was. It was right across the way. Right there. Yep. 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 And the funny part was I, you know, FaceTime George and Erica and showed them that. And they were really impressed. So the next week I was in a Hampton Inn again. And it was an interstate with a cornfield across the way because I was in Iowa. Oh, my word. <laughs> they weren't as impressed with that Look at one. me. Look at uh, me. Exactly. Exactly. The glamour of travel. Beautiful. So mm-hmm. we're up in Cincinnati. What are we doing up there? Uh, we are up at a fundraising event with Justin Terrio helping the Cincinnati districts uh, raise some year-end funds. Yep. Um, it was one of 11 fundraising launches that have happened in districts specifically. There's been more in chapters, but I did not count of sure. all of those sure. fundraising events that have happened. Uh, but there have been 11 that I've been directly involved in helping. And the team here in the office have been directly involved in helping. And Cincinnati is one of them. And one of the things of learning from Cincinnati and the other ones you just talked about mm-hmm. is you guys are starting to develop a rhythm for, hey, when it comes to fund development, here's yep. the rhythm throughout the 12-month calendar year. Yes. That would be helpful to you. Because we've seen chapters ebb and flow in it. We've seen districts learn from that ebb and flow yep. and try to take the best practices. Yep. So that's one of the things that everybody should be looking for is that we've got a rhythm for that, that we're going to put out and a process that will be helpful as a process. Correct. That's uh, where I was going. Well, so you're talking about rhythm of kind of annual calendar. Correct. We what are we doing in January, in November, in March? Yeah, that's right. year end celebration in May, Yep. some type of another fun event. Yep. hundred percent. Some other point in time, but then the process is six months out. You get the venue locked in. It's 90 good. days out. You do this. Six, Caterer. Yeah. 60, 60 days, days out is this. RSVP starts. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Guest list, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which we made a lot of changes to again, or a lot of, ad- not changes, additions. Hey, we missed this. Yeah. Adjustments um, and learning. Had a had a office meeting the other day about that to say, nice. hey, let's get this on paper and get nice. it out there to everybody. I think it'll be good learning for all of us as we prepare for 24 because it is here. It is. So you're going to listen in to... I mean, Jack, Kim, um, just local people who are influencers, we call them. Yep. You'll get to hear them stand up and chat. Yep. Um, you'll get to hear me. And then because I was up there 
Justin got cut off, so you're not going to get to hear Justin's part of the the ask, really. Yeah. But uh, we just want thought it would be valuable for those out in first party world to hear this and get a peek into a fundraising event. Yeah, and for historical value, just for context, Jack is a guy who's been around first party since 2006. Mm-hmm. Was part of a launch of a chapter uh, in that time for Cincinnati that uh, fizzled out early 2009, late 2008, and then. Um, has stayed involved. He has stayed connected to stayed you in and first of the office yep. and Mark Roberts and Mark Robbins. And so mm-hmm. um, Jack is absolutely just the man who's bringing people to the table. And then Kim, who you're going to hear from, is one of Justin's original partners that helped launch him up into that district yep. a year and a half ago. That's right. So just for context sake, these are partners. Uh, this is not staff. These are people who just love what God has called First Priority to be in that city yep. and believe in it as families. That's right. That's right. It's good stuff. Want to jump in? Let's do it. Let's go. My name is Jack Johnston. I wanted to thank everyone for coming. I would like to thank Steve Jericho and Brad Schellings for coming in from National Headquarters. And Brad's in the back. Where's Steve? Steve's back there. Uh, I also wanted to uh, thank uh, Kimberly Riddle, Kim, for supporting Justin on the inception and just being a great supporter. Uh, And Mr. Richard Pratt for allowing us to have this event at the beautiful Kenwood Country Club and the event staff here at the club. Uh, My history with First Priority goes back to late 2006 when I met the founder of First Priority, Benny Prophet, at a Bengals home game in October of 2006. I've I've been around this place for a little bit, but through the generosity of Bob and Betty Linder and Bob's brother, Carl Linder, First Priority of Greater Cincinnati, was launched a year or so later. Despite our best efforts, we did not gain any traction and first priority in Cincinnati flickered out. Probably a lot of reasons, but we did not have success with the initial rollout. I kept in touch with National and even served on its board, an advisory role. We always wanted to re-engage Cincinnati, but it only came to pass because Justin Terrio uh, sensed a calling from God to pick up his family and move to Cincinnati and start again from scratch. Tough to move from an area, Nashville, where you are secure and successful and start over. And Cincinnati did not have a great track record to boot. But Justin did it anyway, and we are all thankful for his coming here to lead. The formation of Christian clubs at public schools protected by the First Amendment. Student-led that, pre- that present the life-changing and redeeming message of Jesus Christ. Why first priority? Well, take a look around at the culture. The governor of Iowa just endorsed Ron DeSantis a couple days ago and talked about the moral decline. You can see it. You can feel it. Whether anyone wants to acknowledge it or not, our Western culture and civilization was founded on our Judeo-Christian values and the heritage formed, and this heritage formed the structure of our society, our laws and governance, and has given us the greatest country on earth, the United States of America. Now we are under attack, our values, our morals, our heritage the very framework of our society. 
So why first priority again? Because young people are given the message of Jesus, receive his salvation, and then enter from their first priority clubs at school level into their local church. These young people begin to grasp through the Holy Spirit the values of Jesus, our great Christian leaders, and reading their Bibles. And their interaction in their work, play, home, and church life continue the great values that this country was built on. I want my two sons and our daughter and grandchild, I know some people have grandchildren, I only got one, he's a handful, uh, to grow up with some of the same structure and values that I had shape my life and your lives. In closing, you can, you can say uh, that we tried before, it, that, we tried, that we tried before and it could fail again. Yes, it could, but Justin is a type of leader to pour his heart and soul into our community and make a real difference. He has had great success so far. We're committed to re-engaging uh, Cincinnati, join the team. Justin needs help from finances to contact information of people that you know who would like to support this ministry or help in other ways. Two famous American men from our past failed a number of times before achieving their goals. One was George Washington, the other was Abraham Lincoln. Can you imagine where this country would be if after they failed they did not get up and try again? Our two greatest presidents, if they had not persevered, this country would probably not exist today. To wrap it up, one of my leaders during my life in business, Robert D. Linder Sr., would often quote Churchill to never, ever, ever give up. So that is why we are here. We are not giving up. Get behind Justin. He needs your help. First priority is Cincinnati. Needs your help. Thank you again for coming. So first, I want to say it's an honor to actually be able to talk to all of you. I want to thank all of those who are hosting here at uh, Kenwood Country Club. Amazing property, amazing people. Thank you so much. And first priority leaders that have traveled in to be here, and Justin and your whole family, um, I'm truly blessed to be part of this. So let me give you a little history of why am I even up here standing in front of all of you and why I am a supporter of first priority. Well, first, Justin is family. I've seen him from birth to the amazing young man he is today, the father of incredible children and a gifted, passionate believer in Christ. And what he brings, I know I could not do. Uh, he has the energy and the authentic messaging that resonates with young people in our communities. And so seeing him grow up uh, about six years ago, he said, I'm starting this new adventure. It's called First Priority. It's here in Nashville. It's all about bringing the message of Christ to youth. I'm like, tell me more about it. And as I came to Cincinnati and worked for Procter & Gamble, I again, blessed, had the means to provide more support over time. And what I heard Justin say made me want to do this without a flicker of a thought. Young people were giving their testimony to each other. Peers were influencing peers. 
Young people wanted to be part of this movement in their school. They were outgrowing the rooms that they were meeting in. 200, 300 people were in the gymnasiums in, in the after school program. It, it was incredible and it was growing. I have two boys. Uh, they're now 27 and 24. And if I go back six years, it, it's kind of that time in life where you're thinking, how are they going to grow up? What are they going to be like? Um, you do your best as a parent, surround them with faith community, bring them to church, introduce them to role models who are going to give them that moral fiber, lead them to Christ. Our children are doing great, but what about all the others? What about the youth in, the, in our community who have no guidance, who don't have the role models, who don't see what is possible with belief in God, belief in Jesus? And for me, that was the inspiration. I just retired from Procter & Gamble. 37 years, traveled the world. I had global uh, supply chain responsibilities, worked on a ton of really cool stuff, met amazing people. People need hope. And the youth are our future. And these are the reasons where I started with a small monthly you know, contribution to the Nashville uh, mission. But when I heard Justin was taking the leap of faith, true faith, again, I'm not sure I have the backbone to do it, to come to Cincinnati, bring his young family, and say, I'm going to start it here. I became one of the very first to say, okay, I'm going to give you a significant starter um, fund. I'm going to give you enough so that you know you're not doing this and will be you know, homeless on the street yourself. And, and it, it continued to grow. So we're here because, and I'm here because, our community is so important. I believe in Cincinnati and I believe in the young people and I know the next generation needs to know the Word of God, needs to see that there is hope. And the way this program is structured and been successful in other places can do the same here for our communities in Cincinnati. So again, thank you so much for letting me be here. Um, I uh, welcome what any of you can do, whether it's faith-based support, whether it's connections to other people, whether it's a financial contribution so that we can continue after one year the amazing results and see it multiply and become exponentially strong. So thank you very much and enjoy your lunch. Be honest with me. God is going to use me to change my school is a lie because my school is unreachable. You would know that if you really knew what my generation is like, and we have to make the most of this time. These years are short. My friends and I know that experiencing everything the world has to offer is more real than living my everyday life in service to Jesus. <laughs> anyway, who I am at church and school is different, and I don't believe that there are a lot of Christians at my school. I tell you this, students have no direction. It's hard to say that the body of Christ is alive at mine. That's not true for me. Jesus has no place in our schools. Experts say school is for education and church is for God. I don't believe that I have to be the same at church and at my school. In the future, school will be just for learning. No longer will it be said that God will use me to reach my school. It's true, it can't be saved. I don't believe there is hope for my school. Is this what you see? Can we reverse this? There is hope for my school. I don't believe it can't be saved. 
It's true, God will use me to reach my school. No longer will it be said that school will be just for learning. In the future, I have to be the same at church and at my school. I don't believe that school is for education and church is for God. Experts say Jesus has no place in our schools. That's not true for me. The body of Christ is alive at mine. It's hard to say that students have no direction. I tell you this, there are a lot of Christians at my school. And I don't believe that who I am at church and school is different anyway. Living my everyday life in service to Jesus is more real than experiencing everything the world has to offer. My friends and I know that these years are short, and we have to make the most of this time. If you really knew what my generation is like, you would know that my school is unreachable is a lie. Because God is going to use me to change my school. It's a subtle shift, right? To reverse this. Uh, we all have language, we all have beliefs, we all have thinking. It's one of the reasons why we have this campaign that we push to the students. Don't just survive middle and high school, change it. Because it doesn't have to be a profound thing in order to make a difference in a school. One of the things that you're not going to hear on the news, well there's lots of things you're not going to hear on the news, but one of the things you're not going to hear on the news is the fact that uh, out in California, in Orange County, we, Steve and I were just talking about this on the way up from Nashville, um, they're doing research that proves that having faith-based activity in a school is actually healthy for the culture of the school. And the secular government is starting to realize this. Again, you're not going to hear that on the news, but it is true. And we can be a part of that. Um, our vision to unite the church with a plan of action to influence the schools with the gospel so every student in the United States can hear the gospel from a friend. It's what we want to do, and I'd like to talk just for a moment about what First Priority is, just in case you haven't heard of it before. And if you've heard of it before, uh, maybe hearing it from me will shed a new light on, on what you're already a part of. Um, one of the most influential, well, which, which way do I want to start it? One of the stats that we talk about with First Priority is the hopelessness of a generation, right? Our generation is in a crisis. 96% um, of students do not believe in a Christian view of the world. There are more students than that that consider themselves Christian, but it's a dire situation, right? If 96% don't believe, that would be like going to Pakistan or Afghanistan, right? We'd send missionaries into the school in order to reach them. What we don't see in those stats when we read the Barna stats or Pew Research and things like that is there are still a large group that call themselves Christian that want to be empowered to share the gospel. So if we follow those numbers around the country, I work for First Party of America. My name, I didn't introduce myself. My name is Brad Skelling. I'm uh, the director of operations for First Party of America. We have about 900 clubs in 22 different states. Um, and we see an average about 10,000 students come to know Jesus in the school every year through a First Party Club. And those are the numbers that we can track, not the numbers that say, hey, that student went back to home and led their parents to the Lord. 
And we see that happening too in our churches. And we can, we can show you stories, not in this presentation, but offline if you're interested in hearing some of that. Um, if we follow those stats and say, hey, this small percentage, we have a remnant of, of students that are Christians in the schools, that's still around 3.2 million students that call themselves Christian in a school, walking the halls of our public, middle, and high schools. But they're not the most influential group in the school. Why is that? Let me give you a perspective. How many high school football players do you think there are in the United States? Anybody have a guess for that? And I pick on the high school football players because I think they are one of the more influential groups in, in the public high schools, right? Would anybody disagree with that? We celebrate them, we have parades for them, they make announcements, they win state tournaments, and they get big trophies. So I'll answer the question. 2021, there was about 1.1 million high school football players walk in the halls. That means there's three times as many Christians walk in the halls of our schools than there are football players. So again, it begs the question, why, are the football why is the football team more influential than the body of Christ? And the answer is, going back to Jack Johnson's talking about how our nation was set up, it's because the school can establish a football team, it cannot establish religion, right? And I use that language intentionally because it's the establishment clause is in our governing things, not separation of church and state, right? The church or the state cannot um, establish religion or prohibit the free exercise thereof. So it's they're walking a neutral middle ground and we have an opportunity to empower these students, these 3.2 million potential missionaries into their culture to establish religion in their public school. That's where we get into first priority, to unite the church, to equip students so that every teen on every middle and high school campus in the United States can hear the gospel from a friend. Because the Holy Spirit of God is alive and well in every school in America. We're not at the place of Sodom and Gomorrah where they're counting on one hand how many people are here, right? We have millions to empower. This is what it looks like. I'm going to blow through a couple things. It's, it's, again, it's not complicated. 1,998 churches in the greater Cincinnati area that Justin has identified. 151 middle and high schools. And I'm going to, 151,000 middle and high school students? I'm trying to go from memory and not look at my notes. It is. Sweet. My memory is still good. Um, but this is the picture of what it looks like. What if we could take those 1,998 churches, get them to unite around the school because there's, there's 10 to 1 churches to schools. So we could have 10 churches united around one school. That means, hey, if you got even two or three kids from every one of those churches, that's 20 or 30 students to start a club in every school in Cincinnati. We're talking Northern Kentucky. You've got eight or nine. Justin's going to talk about that later. Eight or nine um, counties identified in the greater Cincinnati area. We could bring revival back to this generation. This generation is in crisis. We see, again, we see the stats, we hear the stories, we read the headlines. But I'm here to give you a little bit of a mental shift and tell you that I do not believe there is an 11-year-old in this city that, wakes up, that woke up this morning hoping to be a meth addict by the time they turn 16. 
right? But some of them will be. And some of it is by choice. Some of it is by things that happen to them. Either way, they are getting fed a series of lies that steal, kill, and destroy their lives. And the only way that that is going to change is if we bring a spiritual solution. Because the one thing that's not being told them is that there's a God who loves them, the God who has created them and has a plan and a purpose for their life. And if we can get those 20 or 30 students from those 10 schools to start sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with that entire school population, what could happen, right? That is the spiritual solution because these kids aren't becoming meth addicts um, because the question they're asking, they're, the question they're asking is a spiritual question and the school is trying to answer it with math, science, reading, and logic. And logic is not the question they're asking. They're asking, am I loved? Why am I here? And do you care about me? And the schools are not answering those questions because it's a spiritual question. Does that make sense? So we are here to take the hope of Christ to every student. And we're just dumb enough to believe we can do it. Um, Jack's been a part of this, as he said, for a long time. Kim, thank you for being a part of helping Justin get going up here. Um, we, we're, we've got a plan. Um, we were doing one of these in Austin, not Austin, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, uh, three weeks ago. Very similar situation. We were in the Petroleum Club um, working to do this because on, this, on your table there is a sheet. If any of you are business people, you'll love business models. Um, first Party of America's running traction, entrepreneurial EOS, entrepreneurial operating system. I don't say entrepreneurial very well, but I just said it a couple times. Um, we're, we're walking this process. Justin is walking this process. He's been working to find key influencers so we can raise some funds, so we can hire the staff necessary to go network those churches, because those churches aren't networking themselves. They're forming new denominations because they're splitting. They're going the other direction, right? Um, we want to unite those churches um, around these schools, and then Justin and his staff will train the club leadership to go run what you see there as an epic cycle. One of the things I love the most about First Priority is its simplicity. And when you look at that cycle, again, you get a 16-year-old kid, or maybe even a 13-year-old sixth-grade boy, that boy has probably never been asked to speak, to share a devotion, to do anything before as far as a Christian environment goes, right? Just like the classroom, the church has often been, come sit and listen. What First Priority is asking these kids to do is come and lead. And so we don't expect them to do that in isolation. This, this model is uh, it's a four-week rotation of, of meetings to equip them to share the gospel. We want to prepare their testimony and prepare them to share God's story. We want them to invite their friends to come to the club, and then we want them to connect back to the local church. And in a perfect first priority world, when those 10 churches rally around the school and these kids run this epic cycle, their churches grow. First priority is a spoke in the wheel. Um, oftentimes we advertise ourselves as a pro-church 
ministry to kind of separate ourselves from the word parachurch because parachurch oftentimes gets a negative uh, connotation in the church world because, hey, we're going to go do something on our own. Um, First Priority does not do something without the local church. Uh, It starts with the church and it ends with the church. We network the church on the front end to send the students in and then the students go back into the church after, after they're all done. First priority is just that spoke in the wheel in order to share the gospel and uh, see students come to know Jesus. We don't get into theological issues. It's life, death, resurrection of Jesus. He's created you with a plan and a purpose. Would you like to know and have a relationship with your creator? That's all it is over and over again. Um, That's where it starts. It's where it starts, yeah. One of the things that we're seeing and we advertise a lot is the salvation. Again, I I shared it already. We see around 10,000 kids um, profess faith in Jesus every year. Obviously, COVID was off and off year. But we also train students how to have the words of Jesus come out of their mouth. We have 3,617 students that we've trained to lead a first priority club so far this year around the country. And I apologize for not knowing Justin's numbers by heart. Maybe he can share that here in a a moment. But um, when those 3,600 students begin to say, hey, I'm going to prepare my story. And I don't know if anybody's asked you this, but nobody asked me to share my story until I was in college. And what happened when I shared my story is I prepared to do that. And I started writing. And I started writing about when I was in fourth grade and I came to know Jesus at summer camp. And it was commitment night. It was Thursday night. They gave us all candles because it was the 80s and they were dumb back then. None of the buildings had burned down yet, but they gave us all candles. They told us to spread out. And I felt the peace of God for the first time. And I started writing about that. Then I started writing about middle school and high school, and I started connecting the dots about what God did in my life, and that was one of the most powerful moments, second to coming to Jesus, was preparing my story and realizing everything God has done for me my entire life. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I believe Prepare Week will have as much impact on this generation, changing it from a crisis to a solution, as Invite Week does. Because we're preparing, we are sending 3,600 kids into the schools and teaching them how to share their faith. I want to share a couple verses with you in this, going back to the spiritual solution, because I wasn't looking at my uh, notes, and I, I want to I hit on this. Psalm 78, I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from of old. The things we have heard and known, the things our ancestors had told us, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children, and then they would put their trust in God. Do you hear that? If we tell our children the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, then they will put their trust in in God. And I always, I I say that I don't like to walk into the political rhetoric, but I oftentimes do, and I'm going to do it again right here, which is your preference to this. But I believe with all of my heart, which is why I'm standing here right now in front of you today, that if we can tell this next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, 
that is the way to make America great again. I just walked into it, right? I'm gonna walk right back out of it, quick, okay? Because that's gonna change a generation. That is going to bring revival to our country. Many of us, and I'll land, I'll land the plane with this, many of us have heard the Bible verse, if you've been in church, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you heard that? It's kind of familiar. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You may have also heard of a verse that says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And those two verses are very close to each other. It's Romans 10, 14, and, or 13 and 15. But there's a series of questions in between those two verses. And it says this, how then can they call on the one they have not, if they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How can they believe if they have not heard? How can this next generation believe if, if we're not sharing the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord with them? Because the school isn't going to do it. The school is not allowed to establish religion in our society. And I don't think that's really a bad thing. I think that's an okay thing. Jesus actually came to the earth when the Jewish government couldn't establish religion in Rome either, right? It couldn't come from top down during that moment in Jesus in the world's history. And it's the same here. America is the same as when Jesus was here. We can't establish, the government is set up so we can't establish religion from a top-down approach. We have to do it like Jesus did and come with compassion and say the kingdom of God is here. Amen? I'm going to land the plane with that. If you want to talk to me more, we'll stick around. I uh, would love to answer more questions and be a part of it. Um, I already shared this, the, the love for Justin, who he is. I do have a QR code up here as well. If you want more information, we have some links. This is not the giving link, but we can answer a ton of questions for you and walk through it. But, but in reality, we just want to see students come to know Jesus. Amen. Thank you for, for listening. Well, the one thing I will say, Brad, about the three folks that spoke at the Cincinnati banquet, fundraising banquet, mm -hmm. was they were all passionate about students mm. hearing the gospel, experiencing the gospel, mm -hmm. and making decisions of the gospel. I thought you were um, going to say that I was the best looking one, but I didn't say that. You didn't and say so, that. <laughs> so it's just, it's fun to hear mm -hmm. from all three of you talk about, hey, at the end of the day, this isn't about ego logo. This is about yep. students' eternity. It's about, yeah, and a passion for the gospel. Correct. To say, hey, there are creatures of God, mm -hmm. image bearers of God walking around our country, our cities, our schools yep. that haven't heard the gospel. Yeah. So let's, let's share not, it with them. It's not that they haven't heard of Jesus. Yep. They just perceive him from Hollywood. Yeah. From Instagram. Right. They've not experienced the love and the message of Christ. Yeah. Which is a redeeming message of transformation. Yep. Right. They've just not experienced it. And so what Justin is called to up there mm -hmm. uh, was pretty clear when they were done. Yeah. That's right. Kim was fun to listen to because... Kim, again, I mentioned this on the front end of the podcast. Kim was one of the original, hey, I'll partner with you. Let's yep. bring this to, to Sensi, right? Yeah. And Kim did all but say, and I wish she had, hey, we underwrote this. 
get your butts. Let's let's go. Get on the bus. <laughs> right. Get on the bus. Yeah. Get your tails on the bus and let's mm-hmm. let's get after this. Like let's let's stop wait. Let's stop having six people underwrite this. Yeah. And let's make this happen. Yeah. So it was fun to hear her in a very business-like manner. She mm-hmm. was a CFO for a long time, a VP for a long time, right? Yep. Handle that in a way that you and I would have just said, y'all get on the bus and stop stop messing around, right? She did such a good job with it, so. Yeah, yeah, It was, and it was a good day. It was a good trip. Justin's been following up very well. Him and Jack have been going out, meeting with yeah. all the people that were in the room. Yeah. And uh, that yeah. was the right people in the room meeting. And, and it has turned into a ton of other meetings. Correct, and the 20, 30 people that were there, I forget the number uh, who were in the room, but that's turning into 30, 40, 50, it because is. they're continuing to network too. Um, even the photographer in the room, you don't see this on the thing, but he asked a friend to come and and take some pictures yep. of the the event. Yep. And she came back and was like, you know, Justin, I've heard you talking about this, but I didn't know it was that. Yeah. And rattled off like 10 names of people who should have been in the room. Yeah. Who she said, hey, I'm going to go get you in front of these people because they're going to love this. Huge. It was huge. It was a good day. Good day, man. Well, I hope it was beneficial for you to listen in to that um, and yeah, get a picture of that. Maybe it's something that sparks an idea for you in your community, for your club, for your area, chapter, whatever it might be. And uh, it's an encouragement. And I will say we can't make all of them, but if you have a banquet, you have an event. Yeah. The the team at FPOA really does want to know mm-hmm. when they're happening. Yep. One, we'll pray. But two, if we can find a way to maneuver scheduling of travel around it. Those we'll are some be, of the best memories. We'll be there. Yeah. Hanging out with JD at this golf scramble or exactly. the auctions and exactly. things of that nature. Those are good times. So, yes, love it. Let us know. Sounds good. Until next week. Thanks, everybody. See you.